What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Uncommon Sense. I'm your host, Kevin Tony, And today we got a, a, a really good show. This is something different. This is something new for the podcast. We have our first guest that's joining us today. And this is a brother that I've known for um, several years. He is a jack of all trades, master of quite a few of them. Uh, <laughs> my good brother, uh, Montice Peterson, is joining us today. What's going on, man? Not much, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Uh, you are the, uh, <laughs> I call you the, the, the martial arts expert slash uh, magician uh, who gets it, who gets it done. So, um, yeah, so we, 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 uh, this, this conversation has been, uh, in the making for quite a while and I'm glad that we're getting a chance to do it now. Um, and we're gonna, uh, we're gonna dive into an area that, um, I know that, you know, I consider you to be, um, somewhat of a subject matter expert. Um, in, in terms of, you know, these areas. And that's why I wanted to have you on. We're going to be discussing the um, the religion, uh, if you want to call it that, but we're going to be talking about uh, Hebrew Israelites today and Hebrew Israelism and what it entails. And the reason that I wanted to have this conversation is because I'm seeing a lot of people that I know who are starting to get into this religion and I'm not really, you know, I'm saying religion, but I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm using that that word because I'm not exactly sure exactly what it is. It's a doctrine, this mindset, this way of thinking, and because I'm starting to see a lot of my friends that are getting into it, I want to have a better understanding of it uh, when I have conversations with them. I mean, to to be honest, I'll, I'll come out the gate and. And, and say from what I've seen, it's not really something that I necessarily believe in. Uh, but I want to have you come in and um, you know just kind of dispel some myths or you know give some reasons behind why people you know why has gained popularity within the last several years, most notably in uh, in the black community uh, for the most part. So right. Um, yeah, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you take it away, man. You can give a brief history, and and um, and then we'll we'll jump right in. All right, yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, this it's an interesting topic because they've been around for quite a while, actually since the late 1800s, and mm-hmm. their popularity kind of waned, and there was a resurgence um, again in like the 60s or so, 60s and 70s, and okay. Then it waned again, and then it's had a, another resurgence. Um, and basically, from a historical perspective, um, their origins began, like I said, early 1800s. Uh, a gentleman named Frank Cherry and William Crowdy, uh, they believed that God had told them uh, that the African Americans were descendants of the Hebrews in the Christian Bible. Okay. And uh, God told them this. And my thing is always a couple red flags. When you have people to say, who say things like God told me or mm-hmm. they have new revelation outside of Scripture, those are automatic red flags. Okay. Okay. Any revelation coming outside of Scripture or God revealing new revelations to people that just go against what we would call orthodox uh, Christianity or Orthodox beliefs, usually red flags should be raised. Um, and this goes with most cults. You'll see that to be consistent. Um, okay. So early on, the reason they kind of, the inception of the, the and, and I do call it a religion, and I know you're uh, wondering if you should refer to it as a religion or not. And mm-hmm. I, I do because uh, religion simply defined is basically a set of beliefs or a system of worship. Right. Well, in that loose definition, we can have a religion that worships the trees and the squirrels. 
That's true. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's a belief in a worship of anything that we feel is supernatural or a controlling power of, of any sort. So we can loosely use the definition. So with this particular religion, um, they early on, it, the inception happened because you had slaves. Right. Who were working plantations, and the only thing that they had that they could hold on to for hope was the story of uh, Moses and the Hebrew Israelites and how God rescued them and saved them. And they related to the story for obvious reasons because they wanted to be rescued and saved and delivered from uh, their enslavement the same way the Hebrews uh, did in, in Exodus. So mm-hmm. this is where this started. Um, and if we know anything, for example, like about Harriet Tubman, she was referred to as the Black Moses. Right. Right? And But this goes back to the same thing I'm saying, that they wanted Moses to rescue them, to get them away from their captives. Um, so it started there. So they began to identify spiritually with the Israelites, and at some point they simply just said, hey, that's actually us. Okay. And okay. so they, I, I like to call it... <laughs> Uh, one of the, the one of the first uh, um, identity thefts in history. One of the biggest identity thefts <laughs> because it really they just kind of say, "Hey, that's us. We're them. That that's who we are." And again, I understand. Let me say this: I understand it came from a, a hurt place. Right. It came from a place of you know once these slaves were free, and 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 I mean it's an authenticity to people who are involved with this. In America, black people in America, we're the only people who really don't have a true historical culture. So if you look at, for example, Latinos, they, they know their name, they know their history, or Asian Americans, or uh, Indian Americans, or, or East Indian Americans. I don't care who you talk to, if their ancestors are from Germany. Because of the slave trade, uh, most of the black people in this country right now trace their ancestry back to a plantation. Right. And, and, and so, is that because, so you have the popularity, the rise in popularity recently in, you know, websites like Ancestry.com or 23andMe where people, you know, a lot of my black, uh, a lot of my friends have tried to use that website to try to trace back to see where they come from to figure out who they are uh, in their family lines because they don't know. Right. No, absolutely. And and you have these uh, DNA testing that you can do, and they'll tell you, you know, what part of the world that your DNA is from. Um, but we still have no connection to it culturally. Right. And and so most people in this country, if they're Irish or what have you, they have some sort of cultural connection to ancestry. We don't. Even our last right. name, because I remember I traced my last name. It was back to a plantation somewhere. And so, you know, in an effort to have an identity and have a culture, they simply, they simply just took on the Israelite culture, and they took their history, and yeah. they claimed it as their own history. But see, and I understand it because the need to have identity, the need to know where you, you come from, the need to have a culture is really what led and, and drove them to this place. And they simply just identity theft. We're going to steal their culture and their history and say it was ours. And that's really the inception of it in, in a simplified explanation. Okay. Okay. And that makes sense. And that makes sense. So just to, just to fast forward to um, let's, let's go back about three or four years ago. And, I, and I'm, I'm using this time frame because this is when you had the uh, you had the, the incident uh, in Covington uh, where they had the the, the protest and uh, you know there was the kid on TV um, and then there was the Hebrew Israelites the black Hebrew Israelites that got in his face they were uh, I don't know if you remember that but that was a big deal in the news um, several years back and I think that was one of the first instances from a, a national perspective to where black Hebrew is Hebrew Israelites had a national spotlight because that story about, you know, the kid 
who was wearing the MAGA hat at the rally, and, you know, there was a Native American that was getting in his face, and then the black Hebrew Israelites were in his face. And it was, you know, these, these groups were on display, and then it was all these questions about, well, you know, well, who are the black Hebrew Israelites? I mean, most people in our community were familiar with it, but, you know, by and large, you know, that was the first time that I can think of where they had like, okay, well, CNN is talking about this group, MSNBC, all of these mainstream Fox News, they're all covering, you know, and mentioning this group, but America is probably like, you know, who are they? Like, who are these people? You know what I mean? So, that explanation that you just gave is kind of really, you know, a good introduction to give people an idea of the historical uh, background of the why uh, of where, you know, of its inception and why uh, why um, it started, um, as opposed to how it's gained popularity now. And I and I appreciate you talking about the off again, on again resurgences that it's had over the last few hundred years. Uh, and so to now see where it's really kind of caught fire um, to the degree that, you know, a lot of people that I know are starting to ascribe to it. And so um, you mentioned that a lot of it is born out of hurt. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Well, yeah. So like I said, when you when you get to uh, slavery and and the whole uh, history of slavery, and once they were freed, what we see is that you had these uh, African Americans, and uh, they again they had no history of their own, no no culture to really hold on to. So for them, basically appropriating Jewish history, uh, I guess we could say it was a part of of a rebellion against an American radical hierarchy that deemed Africans inferior. Okay. So for them, you know, they were deemed inferior. So you know what? We just won't be Africans. We're going to be Hebrew Israelites. And uh, those are our origins, and we'll regain, um, uh, regain our culture and history through basically copying this one. Okay. And because most Hebrew Israelites do not, no, no, let me take that back, not most, all of them, they do not, and this is really interesting, they do not consider themselves um, ancestors of Africans or, or of, of any African nation. Um, really? As black people, they do not. They believe that they are um, Hebrew Israelites and they are not Africans, and for them, um, it, it, and I've heard them say this, it's insulting to even suggest it. It's like saying that all Asian people are Chinese or all Asian okay. people are Korean. And they're like, no, just because our skin is black and we're here, we're not Africans. Okay. And, so, and so, yeah, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's, that's interesting um, to hear that because, and I've seen, like, just in some commentary, you see certain things on social media where uh, they make the distinction between being Hebrew and being black. And I never kind of understood that until you just broke that down. So I'll let you continue. Go ahead. Yep. No, absolutely. So um, they believe that they are descendants of the biblical patriarchy, uh, patriarchy I'm sorry, of uh, Jacob, and okay. that yeah, that's what they believe, and they believe that modern day Jews are simply a combination of Europeans, and 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 they speak Yiddish, and it's not really real uh, real Hebrew, and that they mm -hmm. are actually imposters, and so and and believing this, um, they like for example, we look at the Egyptians. Canaanites, Ethiopians, Babylonians, they were all black-skinned people, dark-skinned people. They do not believe that they're descendants of any of these people. And, um, again, they would say something like, it's like saying that all Asians are Chinese or all Europeans are French. And so mm. they do not subscribe to that. Uh, they definitely separate themselves. And, again, 
this can be traced back to um, a time when African Americans in this country were deemed inferior, and they wanted to separate themselves from um, from that that label, that view of being inferior. So we're just not Africans. We're not a part of that, and that's right. you know where that comes from. Okay, so so um, and I and I'm starting to see the popularity, you know, gain particularly within you know, my age group and younger. And I'm I'm forty two. A lot of my friends are in their mid to um early forties, late thirties and they're trying they're starting to really kinda get into it. And I've taken it you know, from, from what I've seen on the outside looking in, it's kind of a, a an awakening that they're having. You know, they're getting this new information that they didn't have before. And these are all people that I know, you know, or, you know, that I know of that have grown up in church. They've had church experiences. And, you know, it's it's just almost like they're, they're doing a complete 180 away from, you know, what what the foundation that they've grown up on. And, like, what, you know, tell me if that's something that you've seen and, and, and why you think that that, you know, that's a, like a baseline reason for people making the jump to Hebrew Israelism. Wow. So that, that's okay. So there, there's a lot to unpack there. Oh, boy. Okay. So number one, I, I would contend with the fact that they were raised up with a Christian foundation. Mm-hmm. I say that because, and and as a Christian, I have these conversations with my friends all the time, and this is a very sad commentary. Just because people go to church does not mean that they are Christians or or, or saved or saved. Um, there are people who have learned to do church. Yeah, that's right. They they know the jargon. They know what to say. They know when to rock and sway. And they know when to say amen, and they know when the pastor says God is good, and they know when to, they know how to say all the time. They've been churched, and they've learned mm-hmm. how to be churched. Right. Um, however, foundationally, I don't think it has ever taken root, right? And, and right. Jesus talked about this and, and, uh, where he talks about the store of the seed. And there's some seeds that take root, and there's some that just fall on the wayside, some right. are scorched by the sun, and some are in the rocky places, and some get soaked by the, the, the weeds and the, the thorns. So most people in church, when we look at that, are just churched. So exactly. if, we, if we take, for example, Jesus mentioned four situations there. Out of the four, only one took root mm-hmm. in that parable of the seed. So if we just break that down, I'm just doing this kind of loosely here. Out of four, only one. That would be 25%. Right. Right, fourth, a fourth. So that would mean the other 75% that heard the word, it never took root. Mm-hmm. So yep. when we talk about people in church, their foundation, most of them don't have a real true, what I would consider foundation. Um, and so what happens is when these things come, uh, Hebrew Israelites, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, uh, I, I know people who are really involved in heavily in Afrocentric type uh, religious beliefs. Um, one of my friends is an Ifa priest. And when we see you can this. Even in, you can include the Nation of Islam in that too. To a degree, we can. To a degree, yeah. we can. Yes. Yes. So what happens here is. Because, and this is going to be a sad commentary here, this is a a conversation for an entirely different day. Mm -hmm. Because the church has failed to really give a true foundation, it's very easy for cults to come in and pull these people away. Okay? I agree with that. So, and, and especially when we are dealing with issues of of pride and culture and history. Um, and I say this a lot to unpack because now this opens up another door of right. something that I recently taught on 
I was at a conference in Illinois, and I recently taught on this subject, and that is Christianity being a white man's religion. When you start getting into those aspects of Christianity and you're bringing in pride and culture, um, you have now a group of, of, of black people who are in Christian churches leaving because of cultural reasons or not accepting Christianity because of cultural reasons. Um, they feel as though they are betraying their ancestors because Christianity was used to enslave black people. It was used to control them. Um, and and th this is a true statement. These are all true historical facts. It was right. used to control them. It was used to enslave them. They were uh, made to abandon their religious beliefs and accept their slave master's beliefs. So right. in doing so, and that's a whole other topic because, again, the slave masters tainted the scriptures. They changed it. Yes. You even have what we call a slave Bible. Most people don't even know about the slave Bible, which right. took out like 70% of scripture where it dealt anything that dealt with rebellion, uprising, freedom, God rescuing, uh, you know, we're all equal in God's eyes. You know, they took all that out, okay? <laughs> so there's, there's, no slave, no, there's no slave, no free. I mean, no, uh, I'm sorry, uh, no slave, no masters in the eyes of God. All those scriptures are wiped out. So wow. they misuse Christianity to enslave them. But with that being said, you have a lot of young black people who feel, I am betraying my ancestors if I take on the religion of the people who enslaved them. So, again, that's a subject for another day. But right. with that being said, you have a lot of young black people in churches who are being presented with this kind of information and because they don't have a strong church foundation, they're easily per, uh, persuaded to leave Christianity and join groups like um, Black Hebrews Alliance or Nation of Islam or groups like that. Right. Okay. So, so let's let's go this way because I, I what you're saying is I'm very familiar with, and just in passing, I've seen, you know, the the, the commentary from you know people that I know that. They just, you know, it's a lot of resentment that comes out of uh, some of the reasons why they make the jump. And uh, I've even had, you know, some tell me, you know, they didn't want us to know in church. They didn't teach us this because they didn't want us to know the truth, you know, as if the church they came out of knew the truth to begin with. Because, like you said, that not having a foundational uh, base in the word, uh, you know, being in that 75% that didn't, you know, where the word didn't take root, that's heavy when you think about the difference in who gets it and who doesn't. And the majority of people that don't get it, how easily swayed they are. So let's just say that um, for, the, for the, the sake of the, uh, of, the, of the conversation that we're having today, uh, let's say that you and I meet chance encounter and we strike up a conversation and I say to you, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, th I'm thinking about joining the, uh, this Hebrew Israelite uh, group in my neighborhood. And, but, you know, I'm just still trying to check it out and see, you know, if it's right for me. Like what, what information would you give me having an opportunity like that? If you could have a conversation with somebody and say, you know what, or even somebody that's deep in it. I mean, if you have a conversation, like how do you dispel, uh, you know, how do you, I don't want to use the word, uh, the, the phrase come against them, but how do you dialogue with somebody that, you know, not in an effort to, uh, to try to change their mind? Because what I've seen, I've had conversations with complete strangers in my DMs on Instagram and, just by the language that they're using, I can tell that they align with the Hebrew Israelite way of thinking. And they are, I mean, it's almost like they have scriptures ready to try to convince you and change your mind that what you know and what you're thinking is, is wrong and why you need to come over to what they believe and mm -hmm. come out of what, you know, I, I had this guy, I didn't even know him, man. He kept calling me a slave in the DM. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. it, it, it was it was crazy, man. Like I'm like, I don't even know this guy. 
and we're having this like super long conversation, and he like he he, he was saying stuff like, "Yeah, are you ready to come out of slavery and really open up the scriptures and stop being a slave and so on and so forth?" And I'm like, "Wow, like this guy is really he's for real." And mm-hmm. so so you you've seen this before, you know this dialogue like how does one how do you like how would somebody stand against that or go toe to toe and with in the conversation with somebody like that where they know like you know what I'm it just doesn't sound right to me like you know I don't and then we will eat until peel back the layer of you know how you know they they the law is their baseline and the torah and all of this stuff and that's what they and that's what they follow like how do you uh shape a conversation with somebody that's throwing information at you like that. Wow. Okay. That's a lot there. Uh, that you have a lot. Okay. So it, so it depends on the conversation. So for example, if we are talking to someone in the first scenario that you gave me, you mentioned someone who was thinking about joining uh, Black right. Hebrews Life. And you got to have a conversation with them versus someone who was in already, understood the doctrine, and was now able Trying to, to quote, quote scriptures, and they were, they were calling you a slave and all that kind of stuff. So those are two different conversations for me, mm-hmm. okay? So the first conversation uh, is going to be a little easier because they're not fully indoctrinated yet. Right. So you still have some room there. So when it comes to those people, and even the other ones too, but I'm going to give a little tip to people today here. There's a book called Tactics okay, by Greg Kukul. Okay. Okay. Tactics. Greg Kukul. He's an apologist. Okay. And he deals with um, how to talk to people or have biblical discussions with people. And in there, he gives three questions. And I always start with his three questions. Okay. Okay. And the first question is, what do you mean by X? Okay. So, for example, if they say, well, you're a slave, you say, well, what do you mean by slave? Mm. Or if they say, I'm thinking about joining the Black Hebrew Israelites, well, what do you mean by joining? So the first question is always that, and the reason why, it'll give you more information on how to talk to them. Okay. Okay? The second question is, um, how did you come to that conclusion? Okay. So if you're a slave, what do you mean by slave? I say you're a slave because you're lost, and you don't know who you truly are, and the the white man got you tricked in thinking you don't, you know, that you're African, but you're really Hebrew Israelite. Oh, wow. How did you come to that conclusion? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the second question. Or I'm thinking about joining Hebrew Israelites. I'm thinking about what do you mean by joining? Well, I want to become a member. And then you might throw a why in there, why? And they say, well, because it's the true religion and this and that. Okay. How did you come to that conclusion? So the first question is, what do you mean by X? Second question is, how did you come to that conclusion? Okay. Okay. Now, you could ask those two questions multiple times to make sure you get true answers from them. At that point, the the third question is, hmm, well, have you ever considered? And then that's when you go into your spill. Right. Okay. Okay. But it's important because when I've used this, it's taught, it's, it's, it shows you the direction to go in when you are trying to witness to people. Because, for example, I'll get this kind of off topic a little bit, but I've had people say to me, um, there is no God. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what do you mean by is no God? Well, he's not real. He doesn't exist. It's a, it's, he's fictitious. The whole Bible is a joke. How did you come to that conclusion? Right. And when I did this, I learned something important. Mm-hmm. And the person said this to me. Well, because if God existed, he wouldn't have let my mother die when everybody was praying for her. So right. it's all a joke. It's a lie. So at this point, I knew 
I was not having an intellectual discussion. I was having an emotional discussion. At that okay. point, I knew, I, I knew that this person was hurting. Right. And the last thing I needed to do is have intellectual discussion. We needed to have, I needed to minister to them. Right. So right. asking them questions will kind of lead you in how to talk to a person. And when you yeah. enlist an information, does that make sense? It does, yeah. That makes perfect sense. So so back to your original questions, when I do that with Hebrew Israelites, it, it, it lets me see, first of all, how much they know and how much they don't know. How did you come to that conclusion? If they're able to break down scripture and go through it, okay, they're kind of well-studied. I know how to approach them differently. If they're just mm-hmm. kind of haphazardly going about stuff, okay, they're newbies and they're right. rookies at this, and they don't know much. So I have a better chance of, of reaching them, okay? Right. So I use those questions to get information. Now, the second thing I'd say here is this. I think I tell people this all the time. If you're really interested in witnessing to people who are in cults, be it Jehovah Witness, Mormons, uh, whoever we're talking about, Black Hebrew Israelites, you have to do your homework. Right. You have to do your homework. There's no way I can give you some witty thing to say that's going to just blow their mind. It's not going to happen. Okay. Right. Um, and, and, you know, as you said, I've, I've been a martial art instructor most of my life. And that's like someone coming to me saying, hey, how do I defend myself against some big guy trying to bully me? Mm-hmm. There's no way I can give you one thing that's going to help you. That one thing is going to stop him from punching you. Then he's going to pick you up, body slam you, and beat you up anyway. So right. my thing is, when it comes to having discussions with people who are in cults, they are well-versed in their particular right. cult. I, when right. I say well-versed, and this is one of the failings of the church, and I'm sure churches won't like me saying this, but it's the truth, and I hope that they, they hear the truth of what I'm saying and not take offense to it, but rather listen, pray about it. Churches mm-hmm. do a really bad job of discipleship. Yes, I would agree with that 100%. Okay, 100%. so they're they're really good at here's a message, and you need to be saved. You need to repent from your sins and and come down front and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. They're really good at that. So if the if the message is good enough, it's emotional enough. A person will come down, accept Jesus Christ, and at that point, they believe they're saved. Right. The problem is. I have two issues with that. Again, we can have many discussions on this on different days. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't particularly subscribe to when a person says words that they're told to say that they're actually saved. Right. Uh, yeah. Words don't save you. It, uh, Paul talks about it's the belief in your heart. When you believe, when we see every instance in Scripture, when we go through the book of Acts, for example, the Ethiopian eunuch, what must I do to say? Believe Jesus Christ. And what did uh, Paul, not Paul, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Peter say? You know, believe Jesus Christ. Repent. You know, every instance they had to believe. The, the salvation comes from your belief in your heart and truly accepting who he is. And then there's a confession with the mouth. Oftentimes we get the confession of the mouth without them really believing because they don't know who he is. Right. So that, that, that's backwards. We're getting a confession before there's a heartfelt belief. So my thing is most of these call groups are really super good at discipling you. You will, even though their doctrine's all wrong, you will leave the kingdom hall fully understanding that doctrine. You'll fully understand it. You will leave black Hebrew Israelites' uh, teachings fully understanding what they believe, why they believe it, even if it's all wrong. Most right. most people in church can't even tell you what they believe about being a Christian and why. So That's true. This, this is a sad commentary, but it's because there's no discipleship. There's no one discipling them. Um, usually, Israelites, Jehovah's Witnesses, they have mentors. Or Jehovah's Witnesses call them their Bible teachers, people who are assigned to them, who disciple mm. them. Okay? Yeah. So there's no discipleship. Um, 
And, and, and when we don't have discipleship, we have people who don't know what they believe. So it's easy to get them away. So my right. thing is, you before you talk to Hebrews and Lights, Jehovah's Witness, about anything, you need to make sure you're clear on what you believe and why. Exactly. And that's what you're saying is an indictment on the church. And that's, again, we could, that could be a, a completely separate podcast episode to just yeah. you know, unpack that. Uh, because, you know, I believe, I, I, I totally agree with you because they come down, like you said, they, when I grew up, uh, the church I grew up in, you know, somebody would get baptized, they would do the deal of beloved upon the confession of your faith. And it's like, okay, well, what confession? We didn't hear it, you know. Um, and and then, you know, they're baptized and they're pretty much left to their own devices after that. It's like, all right, you're on your own because we, we got to get ready for this next group that's coming in. And it's a it's almost like a, a conveyor belt, uh, really, in the factory in terms of they're pushing out these, quote, unquote, Christians. But like you said, there's nobody that's, you know, most churches, the church by and large is not pairing these new people with somebody that's individually going to to help them. And I learned a long time ago, like when Jehovah's Witnesses knock on your door and it's always two of them, the one talking is the one in training, the one in silent is the one that's there to make sure they don't trip up and, and, and lose their focus. And, you know, they're, they're just they're there to step in and, and fill in any gaps. Yeah, and, no, you're exactly right. Then that's the discipleship I'm talking about. Right, and and we don't have that. We don't have that. So, you know, I um I, I I agree with you, and it's a it really is sad to, to know that that happens. Uh, but uh, you know, I'll let you c- continue. But I I wanted to just interject that that I I told you're spot on with that observation of the lack of discipleship in in church. And, and let me say this too, you know, I'm saying that part in love because the mm-hmm. thing I don't want is people to get offended and then not take action to correct it. Right, um, right. Because that, that is something that, that should be and needs to be corrected, and all it will do is strengthen the church. Absolutely. We'll, Absolutely. we'll be stronger for it. So, you know, I hope people don't take offense and rather they take that as an opportunity to uh, to strengthen the church. So, you know, with that being said, um, it, let's, let's kind of go back a little bit because I do still want people to kind of understand a little bit more about Hebrew Israelites so, um, mm-hmm. as they're, they're understanding this. So, um just to give some historical, more historical context, I'm going to bring it forward here. Um, okay. They have, in the more modern uh, resurgence, uh, they had several leaders, a guy named Abba Bivens. Um, he was more in the 60s, and mm-hmm. uh, I think he got murdered or something in 1970 or something. But he was pivotal, pivotal in shaping a lot of their theology today. Um, okay. there were people that he had with him, uh, Masha, Ariah, and a guy named Yaku. And these okay. gentlemen are important because if people really knew some of the history here, uh, Yaku claims that he was in a bar in the Midwest and there was an angel, a black, he was a black man, an angel with a perfectly round afro who told him confirmed that, yes, um, the blacks in America were actually the Hebrew Israelites. Okay. And then this black angel with the perfect afro walked out of the bar. He went after the guy to ask more questions, and he simply vanished. Um, wow. that That's their story, and, I, you know, I don't mean to make light of it, but sometimes I wonder – was that, was that a true vision or the Hennessy? I don't know. Right, but, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want to be mean to him, but, but that's, that was his claim. But I find it interesting because, like I said earlier, red flag. God told me, and 
receiving revelation outside of scripture. Well, this is another red flag because we have like Joseph Smith, who was uh, 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 the founder of the Mormons, claiming mm -hmm. that he had an angel appear to him right. and revealed to him that they were like a lost tribe of Israel here in America and led him to these gold tablets, which led to him writing uh, the book that he wrote, that I believe was the um, the Pearl of Great Price. Which book did he write? I can't remember. I'm very chasing right now. But mm -hmm. uh, it led him to doing that. Uh, Benjamin Krim, who was the founder of the New Age movement, he claimed that angelic figure okay. appeared to him, which is why he began the New Age movement. Okay, mm -hmm. so you anytime you start hearing angels appearing to people, um, and new revelation that no one else has but them that was given to them, uh, always a red flag goes up for me. Um, yeah, you made me think of, you just made me think of Carl Pearson and inclusionism. <laughs> Same thing. I mean, yeah, so you can, you can, again, you can go down the line. Anytime people right. have angels appear to them and tell them stuff, it's interesting how they always tell them stuff that leads them away from Christianity. Right. <laughs> into creating a cult. Okay? So that's interesting. So angels want you to form cult groups. and Okay. So, but we see this a lot. We see this in Islam. And, and, and that's, again, another conversation the other day. I don't consider Islam a cult. Mm -hmm. uh, some people try to do that, but I don't do that because I'm very strict in my definitions of things because I do apologetics. I speak at conferences, so I have to be really precise with my language. Right. Um, and so Islam is not a cult. They are just a false religion, and there's a difference. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know if we want to unpack that, but there's a difference. A, a Just real, real quick, a, uh, as Christians, we have a set of beliefs that are our standard beliefs or our foundational beliefs as Christians. When people right. within Christianity stray away from those orthodox beliefs, we call them a cult. So, right. for example, Jehovah Witnesses teaching that uh, Jesus is a created a God. He's not God. He's not. He wasn't here from the beginning. He was created by God. Or Mormons teaching that Jesus and Satan are actually brothers. When you start doing things like that, you're a cult. When you're a right. completely different religion with your own Bible, your own theology, <clears throat> you, you haven't deviated from Christianity. You have your own religion. Uh, that is a cult. I mean, I mean, sorry, that is a false right. religion. Buddhism right. is a false religion. Hinduism is a false religion. They're not deviations from any other religion. They're their own religion. Right. Does that make sense? It makes sense, yeah. Thank you for making that distinction for the limit. So, yeah, go on. Well, yeah, I just want to make sure because within Islam, for example, they consider um, they said Islam to be a cult. Yes. Of their religion. So, usually if you have an established religion and then people start deviating from it, that's when they start getting labeled as cults. But within the religion itself, to Christian, Islam is a false religion. Mm -hmm. But not a cult. Does that make sense? Right. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, with that being said, um, black Hebrews like to me would be considered a cult because they are deviating from Christian theology and creating a theology within the Christian Bible. So, this to me is when you are a cult. I I would okay. Agree. All right. So, with that being said, the gentleman that I mentioned, uh, Abba Biven. Uh, Masha, Arya, these guys um, had a particular theology that they were holding to. And they had a school in New York. And the school that they opened up in New York, I believe it was, um, oh boy, what was it addressed to that, that school? Um, uh, I believe it was 1 West 125th Street. Okay. Okay. And I say that because this is kind of relevant for people who really want to get into these guys. Uh, there's a theology that came out of that school, 
and they called it the one they call them the one westers ah, so if you, okay. yeah because it came out of one west 125th street so most of your popular uh hebrew israelite groups today um come from that theology so they don't have what we would consider denominations they call their camp okay i got you yeah okay that makes sense. so so when you see that they don't, they're not all the same, they don't agree with all their theology, it varies. It's no different from Christian denominations. Episcopalians being different from Pentecostals, being different from Baptists, being different from Methodists. Right. Okay? Right. That makes a lot um, of sense. So, yeah, I'll give you a couple of the popular ones. One they, is the GOCC, which is the Gathering of Christ Church. That is one of the, the popular ones. Uh, okay. You have the GMS which is uh, Great Millstone is like, they are another popular, really, really popular group. Um, the HOD, the House of David, um, you have the ISUTK, the uh, Israelite School of Universal Practical Knowledge, okay? Oh, wow. And, yes. Then you have the IUIC, Israelites United in Christ. They're probably one of the most recognizable ones. They usually have the purple and gold. Uh, right. okay. And uh, Nathaniel is their leader. He's very vocal, um, very charismatic, uh, very knowledgeable with regard to their belief system. Um, I've seen him debate a few Christians who should have never went on stage with him, and he destroyed them. Wow. Okay. Which, which tells me they weren't prepared for the battle. They they brought right. a knife. To, they didn't bring a knife to a gunfight. They brought a knife to a tank, a submarine, <laughs> uh, air force fight. Right. Okay. So in other words, it was a bloodbath. <laughs> it was a bloodbath because they got out there talking about being baptized in the Holy Ghost and this and that and other, and he ripped them a new one because he went up and down the scriptures, historical, the culture aspect, uh, the Hebrew. He was using Hebrew language, and these guys were sitting there like. Uh, uh huh. And it was embarrassing. So <laughs> it was man, embarrassing. Oh, but you had other leaders, uh, Aria, who debated um, James White, who was a leading apologist. He speaks Greek. He reads Greek. And when you got up against someone like that, he got embarrassed by James White. He should have never even had a conversation with James White. Mm-hmm. So. This is leading me to a place here. I'm doing this on purpose. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Number one, to my original point, do not attempt to talk to these people unless you are prepared because right. you will get destroyed. Um, and we didn't mention this on the call today, but I was raised Jehovah Witness um, until the Lord pulled me out of it. And as a Jehovah Witness, I used to bend people into pretzels who said they went to wow. church. Um, so you should not be talking to people unless you are, number one, truly rooted and understand your own beliefs. Number right. two, make sure you understand the person that you're going to talk to. Uh, you know, if if you look at football teams or, or boxers, they always watch film on their opponent to be prepared yes. for them. That's true. Okay. Yeah. You can't enter a battle not knowing who your enemy is. You'll get destroyed. And me being a martial artist, this is a principle from Sun Tzu. You know, uh, if you know your opponent, you know yourself, know your opponent, victory is assured. Right? So that goes right. back to what we're saying. Know yourself. You should be rooted in your own religious beliefs. Then know your opponent. You should know what they believe. Then you'll be victorious. You're, you'll be destroyed if you walk in not knowing your opponent, and not knowing yourself, okay? So right. with that being said, after James White destroyed this gentleman, Aria, there was a backlash from the Hebrew Israelites. Mm, I'm sure. They, they put up videos and they just berated James White. You're a white man. You have no business even reading the Bible. That was, that's our book. It wasn't even given to you. You have no reason touching it and opening the book. Um, then as they were calling him all kind of white devils and they were just, they said something in the anger 
that stood out to me like a sore thumb. And when I heard, I said, whoa, whoa, did he just say what I think he said? I rewound the video, and I watched it again, and I said, oh, my God, there is the key right there. And what he said was, like, you devil, you this, you that, and you don't need to touch that Bible. You think you know all of this. That Bible isn't for you. It's not your God anyway. And he said, you want to come with all this knowledge, all this information, all this wisdom and stuff you got? Where was all that when we was in the church, huh? Where was all of it then? Where was you at then? You such and such white devil. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, right. So Did he, he just told, say that a, huh? He tipped his hand. He tipped his hand. Yeah. But he tipped it in a way that is embarrassing for the church. Yes. Yeah. What he said in that statement, it stood out to me. Number one, they came from the church. Yep. Number two, he's saying, where was all that information and knowledge and teachings when we were there? You weren't, where were you then? In other words, what he's saying, no one ever taught us all the stuff that James White was saying. We never heard the stuff that this white man is now saying. So what are they really saying here? While they were in church, they didn't learn anything, that they weren't being wow. taught stuff. They were not being taught, which goes back to our original point, which is why I, I wanted to bring that home, because that brings us to the original point. There's not discipleship. There's not enough teaching, which is why they're being pulled away. Right. Man. Another indictment. <clears throat> indictment number well, two. And again, I don't. <laughs> so let me say this. I hesitate to use the word indictment, you know, because I, just, I hate to use that word, but maybe that's the right word. I don't know. But my thing is simply this that I think as believers, well, let me, let me not say as believers. As people, life is about growth and change. Mm-hmm. And I think the church needs to grow and change and just do a better job at discipling. Uh, there's right. a lot of emotion, tickling emotions, tickling ears. Um, you know, I've heard people talk to people, like, how was church? Oh, man, it was awesome. So what happened? Oh, the pastor was anointed. What happened? Oh, the spirit was flowing. Okay, what did you learn? And they uh, uh <laughs> What scripture did, did you did you retain from service, what scripture stood out in your mind that you remember? Uh, I, I've had this happen so many times. So there needs to be more. There needs to be more discipleship. I'm just going to leave it at that. But I'll agree with you. I coach yeah. on that. There's more discipleship, and that would help a lot to diffuse the power that these cults have. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I just. You know, while you were talking, I was thinking about uh, something that I've said, you know, I realized years ago when I was in college, and that was when I, I had my stint of attending a missionary Baptist church. And, mm-hmm. you know, just listening to and watching people on a weekly basis, you know, go through the motions, you know, like like you mentioned at the start of this conversation. And you you could see – you know, the stark contrast in, you know, how the word was delivered, how it was received, you know, from me growing up in an apostolic church, uh, you know, the emphasis on, you know, the the spirit and and the lack thereof, you know, in the in, in the church that I was attending. And it was, it, you know, I, I started looking around and I saw that, you know, most of these people that are here, um, they're just kind of going through the motions. And then I read uh, a study uh, years ago. I read this article where they talked about uh, the average person attending church on Sunday does not open their Bible again until the following Sunday. Um, well, and here's the sad thing. Well, here's the sad thing. In today's modern world, they never open their Bible. Everybody's using phone apps. That's so yeah. I'm not a big proponent of phone apps. The only time you will see me using a phone app is if I left my Bible in the car and I'm already in church or something. As I was saying, I just think it's important as Christians we know how to navigate 
through um, the Bible. We we know right. where the books are. We it's something about touching those pages and being able to find First Corinthians. Uh, I with you. So I think you know the more the more. Uh, what sort I'm looking for here? Biblical proficiency we have, but familiarity with the scripture. Um, I think it's important to our becoming uh, more adept in in our belief system. It, it's to me like a, um, it's, you know, one thing we didn't say earlier. I'm also a professional musician, mm-hmm. and as a musician, you know, I remember learning to play guitar and piano. And you're looking at every finger, every move, everything you're doing. Well, once you become proficient, I don't have to look at the instrument. My fingers know where to go. Right. And there's a certain level of expertise that comes with with that type of studying and, and being proficient. To me, it's the same thing with the Bible. I think sometimes the Bible apps handicap people. And once you hand them an actual Bible, they tend to not even know what to do with it, where to go. Yep. That's true. That's true. That's very true. So, um, so this is uh this is definitely a. I think I said this before. Like I knew going into this conversation that this this subject was likely going to be a two parter, um, in terms of you know episodes, um, just to kind of start it get the get the wheels in motion and and give people uh you know something to chew on um so we we definitely scratched the surface i think i think we we started a good a a good path um to get us you know get us to where we where we're trying to go in terms of getting a better understanding of you know what what the what the belief system is um you gave some great references on, you know, how to prepare to engage people. Um, and, and I want to, you know, just, you know, some of the other things I, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to have you talk about your experience as a Jehovah witness, because you kind of made it your mission to kind of look at these other, other groups to kind of get an understanding of why they exist, um, why they aren't biblical, um, and and kind of you know be able to engage these people who are in the communities, you know the the Jehovah Witnesses that are out on Saturdays, um, even the uh, the Mormons. Uh, you're starting to see see them. Uh, we had a stint here in in Charlotte in our neighborhood that we live in where you know, the kids on the bikes with the short sleeve white shirts and black ties, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they were out, um, you know, frequently and, you know, they were doing their outreach. And so, you know, what I did, you know, I kind of did some, some study on my own about Jehovah's Witnesses, but I only did enough to know how to have a conversation with them when they came to the door, because I got tired of, you know, every time they rang the doorbell, I got tired of pretending that I wasn't at home. And, you know, I said, you know, these people, they continue to come, you know, and I'm at, you know, this is my house and I don't want to, you know, run from somebody that's at my door. So let me get some information so I can engage these people and be able to, you know, have a dialogue with them to, to tell them, you know, why I think, you know, there's some issues uh, with their belief system uh, as opposed to, to mine. So I didn't do a, a, a deep dive uh, into the belief system of Jehovah Witness, but I did enough to come up with about three or four conversational points that I could bring up to highlight, you know, the holes that I see in their belief system as opposed to mine. And it was enough to, you know, for the most part, I've been able to at least get people that come, you know, those people that come to the door, they say, okay, well, you know, we can see that it's not for you and, you know, thank you for your time. And then they walk off. Um, But, you know, when we had a conversation, I think this was about, this was pre-COVID. I was, I was in Detroit and we were talking and and you were telling me that, yeah, man, I, you know, I can, 
you know, I can tell you about Jehovah's Witnesses, why they think the way they do. I can talk about, you know, the Hebrew Israelites. Uh, you, you know, you even mentioned, you know, Mormons. You even mentioned that you have, um, you know, you, you can you can dissect the conversation or the thought systems of atheism and, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things that you mentioned. And I'm just like, wow, you know, this guy is definitely something that someone that I need to tap into as a resource to get information out so that people who have these questions, they, they don't know who to go to, you know, they don't, uh, they don't have somebody that they can reach out to. And so I want to package this and present, present this as, you know, here's a guy that is a resource. And I know you, you do seminars, you do speaking engagements, um, you've written a book, you're writing, you know, you're writing books. Now you're in the process of writing books. Um, tell us, tell the listeners uh, what, kind of what kind of things you have your hands in um and you know how they can reach out to you so that um if they have questions you know your social media you can give your social media handles uh where people can reach out to you directly um and then you know we'll kind of for this for, for this particular segment we'll kind of wrap it up with a nice bow and prepare to you know kind of Get this one, get this one out, so that people can can hear it, and then come back and and start prepping for, you know, the part two and the subsequent conversations that I would love to have, you know, if you're willing to come back to discuss, you know, some of these other groups. God, so where do you want me to begin? You asked a whole lot of stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, just you know, first of all, tell 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 the listeners about the book you you wrote. And you can even mention if you care to about, you know, if you're working on anything else and okay. then, you know, go into your social media platforms. Yeah, no problem. And it's funny you say that because I have a speaking engagement coming up. I'll be in Pennsylvania this weekend, Hasbro, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll be there this weekend. So, um yeah, so my the book I have published now is called Finding the Path It's under my name, Montese Peterson. I have so T Montese Peterson. Uh it's everywhere that you can buy a book is there. Uh, Amazon or Kindle, wherever you buy online, it's there. You can order it, it can be shipped to you, or you can just read it on uh Kindle. But it's Finding the Path to God, T Montese Peterson. It's a great book. Um it, it tells my story of leaving Jehovah's Witness, but that's a minor part of the book. The majority of the book is dealing with uh, two paths. Mm-hmm. And basically that most of us are trying to pave our own path, our own way through life. And we struggle, we have problems, and you know, but there's a path that God has paved for you. And on the, God that, on the, uh, the path that God has paved, I always say that the, the, all the P's are there, right? The, the, your purpose is on the path that God has paved for you. The people that you need to meet to achieve that purpose is on that path. The protection that you need is on that path. And the provision that you need is on that path. So when you're on the other path, you're meeting the wrong people. There's no provision for you. There's no protection. God has a path for us. So I talk about how do we find that path that God has for our lives. So that's the primary focus of that book. Um, It's a great book. Yeah, it's an awesome book. Um, So they can find it, like I said, online, Amazon. Uh, Currently, I'm working on two new books kind of at the same time. Okay. uh, Which is driving my brain nuts. (laughs) Because (laughs) they're like, yeah, they're like opposites of each other, complete opposites. Uh, One book. Um, I am writing all of the life lessons I've learned from mentors, senseis, and uh, great wisdom, and I'm telling it in a fun, witty stories that I think people can relate to. I want them to smile and kind of laugh, but learn the lesson okay. that each of those lessons that are there to be learned to help you with life and, and uh, your perspective of life. Uh, the other the other book I'm working on right now, the other one as well, 
um, MIA, Men in Abuse. It is a book. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. MIA, Men in Abuse. If this book is going to highlight and bring awareness to the fact that men are abused in relationships and marriages and they suffer in silence. Um, so I want to help bring attention to that fact um, because it's sad. I've met so many men that have been abused by their wives and, and relationships, but they're afraid to talk about it because they don't want to look weak. Um, right. And, you know, but the, when you look at the actual numbers, they're almost identical. In some cases, men are being abused more. Um, like I heard someone say, women, men hit harder, but women hit more often. Mm. And men just don't report it. If their wife or girlfriend slaps them in the face, they don't go make a police report. Right. Or she pushes them or punches them. They don't go make a police report. They tend to, hey, girl, what are you doing? What are you, why are you hitting me? But women will make reports. So I'm just bringing some attention to the fact that there, men are abused, but I'm also going to be writing about healing. How do we heal from these abusive situations and move on? How do we forgive people who have hurt us? So it's also a book of forgiveness and healing. Okay, good. Okay, great. Um, so, yes, and where can people find you on social media? Or if they want to reach out to, you know, email you for, you know, invitations to for speaking engagements, you know, give all of that stuff so they all have it. Well, so on Facebook, they can look me up, Montice, M-O-N-T-I-S-E, Peterson. Uh, they can find me uh, on Facebook. Um, Instagram, I never remember my Instagram handle. Uh, what the heck is my Instagram handle? It, it's Montice. It's actually Montice underscore P. Okay. Um, and then uh, if they want to actually reach me, they can email me. Uh, T Montes Ministries at Gmail. Okay, okay, great, great. Well, listen, I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk to me today. And uh, like I said, I, I know we scratched the surface. I know there was a lot of information that you, you I'm sure you wanted to share. Uh, but I, I. Um, you know, my question to you now is, will you come back and we can talk more about this? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. I appreciate that. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, again, if you have any questions about the show today uh, or any input, you can email the show at uncommonsensewithkt at gmail.com. And we will check you guys out on the next episode. Montes, thank you again for hanging out, and I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. Great, man. God bless. All right. God bless.